Few options on the table for Luis Arias. Should the Marlins look to trade him? Should they look to extend him? Or will he eventually just become a free agent? We're two years out. They have two years to make some of these decisions, but will they make them sooner? And what decision will they make? This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe and welcome. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It's Tuesday, the 19th of December. Yes, sir. Locked On Marlins is still carrying on, even on Christmas week. What commitment. What commitment. There is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe there. Also, uh, this episode is sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And I'm delighted to welcome back in the house, the UK goat, Sean Barrett. Sean? Happy Tuesday. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad, Pete. Whether it's Christmas week or not, mm-hmm. speaking baseball with you is always a good thing. So, um, yeah, let's get going. What about this topic then, mate? Because for those watching, they will see the graphics. And for those that listen to the intro, maybe, they know what this episode is going to be about. We're talking about, talking about the stud, Luis Arias. Um, I'm going to talk about Luis Arias. How are you feeling about this one, mate? Because we're going to be exploring whether or what... what you know, what direction the Marlins are going to go with Luis Arise at this point? They have a few options available to them. How are you feeling about this episode in general before we get going? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those questions that, mm-hmm. you know, since he signed has been on the, the tip of our tongues, isn't it? Like, there's been this clock ticking of, of service time. And, um, you know, it is a case of, yeah, there's, there's two guaranteed years that the Marlins have control of Luis Arise's contract. And, um, you know, the, the value of that trade, we keep talking about how it's always been an equal trade, Pablo for Arias, and mm. both teams got got away with a decent trade. Two years' time, if, if depending on what happens, we might look at this trade a little bit differently. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's, you know, we'll always talk about Pablo Lopez now. Whenever we talk about Luis Arias, like they're forever entwined, win-win trades. The thing that we've that you've mentioned it's always been on the tip of our tongues is the Marlins make the move. They get it right. Firstly, we have to applaud Kim that it was a win-win. Like clearly we knew what Pablo was. We didn't know much about Luis Arias potentially, but he absolutely was as advertised, even better than advertised in my opinion, to be honest with you. But, uh, and and the Marlins equally uh, had an extra year of control with Luis Arias. But, and the big but I wanted to call out is, the Twins, pretty much immediately anyway, extended Pablo Lopez. And so that's the point you're talking about is, like, you make this deal, the Twins made the deal with the expectation of extending Pablo Lopez. A bit like the Dodgers make the deal for Tyler Glasnow to extend him. You're, you're, 
you're acquiring the talent and you're happy to extend. Pablo Lopez signed a four-year, $73.5 million contract with the Twins. Um, so he's going to be paid $8 million next year, but that bumps up next three years up to $21.5 million base salary for Pablito in Minnesota. So, you know, that's, that's the question here for the fish. They've identified the talent. Are they going to pay anyone? Are they going to extend anyone? Sean, let's think back to Kim Ang joining the organization, which seems like many moons ago now. And at that point, we were just hoping that they'd extend anyone. The Marlins would extend anyone. Brian Anderson was the guy that on everyone's lips at that point. Luckily, the Marlins did not extend Brian Anderson. They did extend Sandy Alcantara, however. Um, interested to see how Sandy and the Marlins plays out, actually. You know, that's a topic for another day. But Luis Arias, in my opinion, now becomes the priority decision. Hence why we're having this discussion. And let's start with the extension, because I think that's the right place to start. Because the Twins got Pablo. The Twins have extended Pablo. The Marlins have got Arias. And it feels like right now, particularly with two arbitration years that are more expensive than most because of his all-star and batting titles, it feels like this is the perfect juncture to execute an extension. The challenge maybe the Marlins face is they've got some kind of budget restraints and et cetera, et cetera. But, ah, Sean, with that preamble, with that you know, teaser, let's say, around an extension for Luis Arias. Firstly, if you were in, in control at this point, would you be looking to extend Luis Arias? And is he worth it? If we think about, let's say it's an average annual value of 20 million, just for round numbers. Let's say 20 million round numbers for Luis Arias, whatever the years may be. Is he worth that? For what is effectively, and I don't mean this to sound crude or unfair, but effectively, a one-tool guy. There is no speed. There is no power. There's limited defense. Like, he is a true contact hitter and the best in the business at that. One-tool guy, 20 million for a club like the Marlins. Does that sound achievable to you? <laughs> Calling the Arias a one-tool player is starting to sound like Braves fans. Um, I know. If you want to look, at the, if you want to look at the hard and fast numbers, like you We've seen he is basically what he is. Like we we know that there's an enormous growth. I don't think the power is going to blossom. I certainly know the speed isn't. We know that the contacts no. there. All the all the underlying numbers say that that contact rate is is that's a skill he has. There's no doubting that that's going to continue. Um, there might be a bit of babbit luck here and there that will change that number, but I don't see it ever going sub three hundred for the foreseeable future. Mm. I think Arise, if, if healthy, um, which at, at this point we've seen three seasons of relative health. Um, yep. We started going down a little bit at the back end of the season, but still pumped out 600 plate appearances. He's going to return about a three, three and a half war. Um, if you want to talk about free agency years, uh, normally you look at about 8 million per war being paid um, mm. to free agents. So yeah, straight away you're looking at that. That's twenty. That's twenty four, maybe a little bit more than that. That's you know twenty in free agency years for Arias. In my mind, is the base, absolute right. base. That might, might be the first year, and then it gets bigger and bigger every year that passes. 
Um, Arias is not going to sign a super team-friendly, cheap contract that, that doesn't pay him his worth because why would he? I would say that about every player. So ultimately, yeah. any extension that, that we talk about or the Marlins try and explore, you're looking at 20-plus million mm-hmm. a year in those free agency years, in my mind, of course. Yep. What do you think... What do you think the arbitration numbers are going to be? I mean, this like project we're in projectable for uh, ARP two at this point, or is he ARP three? I don't even know if Super two or not. But anyway, let's just say ARP two um, projected around twelve, somewhere in that range. What's the final year of ARP going to look like? If it's say it's twelve, is it going to be like sixteen? Is that the range we're going to be talking about? Like, is it twelve and sixteen, twelve and fifteen? Is it are those the kind of numbers that? He's likely to expect through the arbitration process at this point. Yeah, that's where my mind is. So it's up to this year. Um, that obviously, we've got to go through arbitration. Hopefully, they go through arbitration. Either an extension is done or a one-year contract is finalised. Because, mm. like, for me, you don't nickel and dime a guy like Arias. Quite literally, your best offensive player. No. Um, so get get a deal done. Yeah, at the moment, the arbitration is about 10-8. So, yeah, once you've actually paid a little bit more than that to actually get the deal done. You'll probably look at like, yeah, 11, 12. And then, yeah, on the understanding that 2024 is, is what we expect. And there's no reason not to expect that. Then our in 2025 is, yeah, it's going to be 16 ish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a logical step then to that 20 million for the next year of free agency. Like, Oh yeah. I don't, I don't see a scenario and you, you hardly ever see this unless there's a real struggle from that player where the first year of free agency money is less or around that final ARB year. So I think that gives you a real good guideline to sort of talk about what we should expect to see as far as financial value for an extension if one occurs. Makes sense. Let's just assume 12 million, 16 million, round numbers, and then 20 is the step up. Free agency year 120. How many free agency years... Is he going to be seeking at that point? So he's going to be 27, turning 27 in uh, in the 2024 season. So it'll be his 29. So, yeah, you're looking at probably three, maybe four years of of free agency years that he's going to be expected. If if Mariah's hit free agency, um, whether that's he expires the contract with the Marlins and then they get a draft pick compensation, or whether he's traded and then becomes a free agent. Arise is going to get 25, probably, over four years, maybe five years. Hmm. Um, that's that's how I see it. Like You let a player like Arise hit free agency, especially with the way that the money is exploding now. Yeah. Like a, a Mets or you know a Yankees or Dodgers, Braves even, because we know that they've got money to spend because they're not, they're not paying anybody else. Um 25 for him would be would be base level. And that's why I think maybe Arias likes Miami. Maybe he wants that extension to, to have that security. Because, um, you know, those lower leg injuries, you know, they, they can they can put some doubt in his mind maybe. Um, and having that security of a long-term contract locked up, done before this season might have mm. a value. Um, so the Marlins might get away with a little bit less than that. But if he makes it to free agency after two more stellar batting title years, then that number is just going to go through the roof. Yeah, which is what you're going to expect, right? Like there's no, there's nothing in Lewis Arias' profile that suggests he's going to regress at all from like batting title contender. 
you know, clearly he may not win, you know, three, four batting titles in a row, but he's going to be in the hunt. Like we know he's going to be in the hunt for a batting title. And like you said as well, like the health, like the, you know, it's been there the last three seasons, uh, predominantly, like you mentioned at the back end of last year, like, the one six two nicks and bruises started to kind of show up, and you could see he was dealing with stuff. But you know he's going to be there or thereabouts. Um, you know from from that perspective, let's um, let's do the first ad. I want to carry on this conversation around the extension because I think the interesting part as well, considering an extension, is like who are similar players, what kind of contracts have they signed as well, like as a historical barometer, and equally like where does Arias sit and how does he compare. I think it feels like we're onto something here, though, to be honest with you, where we know what the arbitration numbers are going to look like. If the Marlins are going to extend him, they should probably look to do it now. So you buy out those two. It's how many beyond that you go and at what base value of those years. And the base value will start with a two. It will be a 20-something million per year deal. So before we do that, let's talk about our good friends over at FanDuel. Uh, and guys, you can get yourselves into FanDuel and into the NFL ASAP with this offer. And I don't know why you haven't taken advantage. You must have taken advantage. Everyone listening to this episode has heard this ad multiple times. But you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers, yes, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So 5 bucks on the Dolphins. Likely that's going to be a winning money line bet. $150 back in bonus bets uh, if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, well, it's super easy, easy to use, and it has all of the betting options you need, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt, and the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, on Tuesday, the 19th of December. We are talking Luis Arias. We are talking trade, extend, or release, or expire. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. Um, the uh, the basis of this is a... is a. Well, I don't, don't know if it's the right audience or the right uh, medium to share what the uh, the historical game is that we, uh, that we talk about. Nevertheless, let's carry on with this conversation. We're talking about Luis Arias and extensions... Sean, over the weekend, this this where this episode came from. I was thinking about this just more generally. Like, what does what does an extension actually look like for Luis Arias? And one of the contracts that was called out was DJ LeMayhew's contract with the Yankees, which I think is like a fair comp in many ways, albeit like there's a clear um, age difference uh, as well. So, but DJ LeMayhew, he ended up signing a six year. 90 million contract with the Yankees. Um, so for me, that's, I think, an interesting barometer. Someone else also called out Jeff McNeil, by the way. McNeil, a four-year, 50 million contract with the Mets. And so, like, LeMayhew, Jeff McNeil, Luis Arias, like, they do have a similar profile in many ways. And, and I, th- I definitely think the LeMayhew one is definitely more closer to Luis Arias. I, f- I feel like Jeff McNeil less so. He definitely had one season where he kind of looked like Luis Arias and then other years where he definitely hasn't. So, you know, if we look at this, though, Sean, I think the key difference here with LeMayhew is he signed his deal when he was 32. And I think that's the main difference here, that 
he's quite a bit older. And so Arias is going to be, if you buy out those two Arb years, he's going to be probably taking a contract to get him to 32. And then he's going to maybe look to do another one. Um, and in some ways, this is Luis Arias' peak. And so whilst LeMahieu ends up with like a 15 million average annual value, I think Arias is shooting higher than that, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think they are slightly comparable, both the LeMahieu and McNeil deal, but they were both older. In McNeil's sense, he was a lesser player. Um, but also remember that they were signed in 2021 and 2022. If yeah. we're talking about free agency years for Arias, it's 2026. Now, yeah. a lot has happened in that time with the finances of baseball that yep. those deals at 15, 17 and a half, 20 a year, that's more like 20 to 25, which is exactly what we were talking about, Arias. One contract yeah. that also kind of, in my mind, is similar to Arias is uh, Marcus Semien, who mm. signed with the Rangers. That was a seven-year $175 contract, which was excessive. They had some money to spend, and boy, did they spend it that uh, off-season. But in a way, it kind of played off, didn't it? Um, even though I, <laughs> I wasn't particularly sure what they were doing at the time. Um, yeah. there's, there's probably a Locked On Marlins episode there that I probably would want to <laughs> listen back to. Um, but That's that, the beauty of these, though, mate. Yeah, they last forever. To me, that's kind of the, the top end for Arias, and McNeil mm. and LeMahieu are the bottom end. So, yeah, something in the middle, something that 20 to 25, um, probably averaging 23 and a half over the life of the contract um, for four or five, maybe six years. But if, if the deal's done now, obviously that lower arbitration number is going to knock that money down a little bit. But with yeah. the way that the money is currently uh, attributed across the Marlins, they probably want to keep that lower number early on anyway. If, if we look at the first year of what Arise's free agency year would be, that would be the first year that the Marlins aren't paying Avisal Garcia. Obviously, yeah. Josh Bell would be, this is his final season that we're going into. That's another 16 million off the books. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are a lot of players from the Marlins that are arbitration eligible at the moment, and they'll just be moving on in another year. So you tack on a, another million, two million onto those six, seven players. All, all of a sudden, that 16 million you're saving from Bell is being eaten up. Um, luckily, the Marlins pre-arbitration guys, there aren't many guys that are going to go from pre-arb into arb over the next two years. Mm. So in my mind, if the Marlins were to work out a trade with Arias, they could not backload the money, but have that 2022-24 at the end of the contract where it should sit and have the lower numbers akin to what he would earn in arbitration at the, the beginning. Once that Avisal Garcia money, on the understanding that he remains with the team, I mean, I think the trade, trading him would be super beneficial, obviously, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to tack on either a couple of prospects to get it done and plus probably eat some of that money as well. But mm-hmm. looking at the way the numbers, as you start to pay a rise, you're not paying some other guys. There is a little bit of money to work around. There is a way to... to to do this logically, that would stop the Marlins blowing through to 120, $150 million payrolls, which, let's be frank, right. none of us are expecting. No way. Not a chance. Um, on Arias, so I think like the general view here is, talking about extensions with Arias, is 
think I'm going to land on this. You've got your two arbitration years that you're going to have to buy out. Let's say if they do something now, 12 million, and let's just say 16 for round numbers. So you've got 28 million for the next two years. And then let's go with 25 million per for the next four. So you end up with a six-year, $128 million extension. Not quite as far as the Marcus Simeon 175, but certainly more excessive, adjusted for inflation, age, and effectiveness over DJ LeMayhew. LeMayhew, definitely a similar player, but I would say Arias a level above, frankly, in my opinion anyway. Um, and I think the Yankees have started to be hurt by that situation. The, the age element has hurt them in that, like, LeMayhew's kind of, like, tailed away. And so they're not really seeing full value from that anymore. I think for the Marlins, like, you know, keeping Arias through to his early 30s, I think would be really beneficial at this point. Um, and if you think back to what Pablo Lopez signed, his annual value was, like, 21 and a half, um, you know, and so Arias probably will be targeting, like, 25. So it feels like that's the kind of range. Is that a range the Marlins can go to? Like, you know, 130, let's just say 130 for round numbers, six year, 136 year to get it done with Lewis Arise. He says, I'm okay with that. But the Marlins legitimately going to pull the trigger on 130 over six, Sean. Um, as, as we've spoken over the years and years of talking about money in baseball, um, mm. the Marlins can. It's whether or not they will. Um, mm. There's plenty of money in baseball. Anyone that doesn't actually believe that is is fooling themselves. Marlins can. It's it's a, it's it's a profitability situation where they they've taken enough money that they could go to 120, 150. I genuinely believe that. I also genuinely believe they won't. So mm. every time I'm looking at the Marlins spending money, I have to put it under that uh, pessimistic view. Um, and, and that's why I discussed the Bell money and the Garcia money because I'm trying mm. to convince myself that there is a financial way to do it and keep yes. the Marlins at a figure that uh, Bruce, quite frankly, is happy with. Um, yeah. And it's it's there or thereabouts, isn't it? And um, it's it's a case of what are they trying to do if they do that? Well, I'm always talking about windows, like trying to win in the Sandy window, and obviously he's getting more expensive, and obviously he's away for next year, but. Hmm. Having Arias and Sandy as your one-two for the next three or four years is, yep. is something that would be super valuable. If they don't extend him, I, I genuinely believe, and I, by extending him, I mean this off-season. I yep. genuinely think what they will do is they will try to rebuild, not rebuild in the sense of a blow-up in 2024, but you know, mm-hmm. try and just add a few pieces here and there and see what they can do to grow in 2024. That's probably the better way to use it is 2024 is a grow year and mm-hmm. then go all in for 2025. That's when Sandy's back. Mm-hmm. All your guys that you've still got in the team are starting to get more and more expensive and, and they go for it. And if it doesn't yeah. work out, then you're looking at a rise in this final year. Is mm-hmm. that a trade at the deadline situation or is that a extend then um, depending on how the season's gone? Um, but yep. yeah, that's that's currently where my head is. I think they will just mm. keep that can down the road and see what they can do in 2025 to compete. Yeah, uh, which which ultimately, as a Marlins fan, is all you really want, isn't it? You you go through these four five year rebuilds for one or two opportunities to compete for a playoff spot, and I think that's mm. probably what they're looking at 2025 right now. 
let me ask you a final one for this episode because we've gone long. We haven't even spoken about trade or release. So, you know, we've done a 25-minute conversation around extensions, but it's probably because I rambled on a little bit too much. Nevertheless, let me ask you this one. How important is Lewis Arise at this point to the Marlins and what they're trying to do? He is he is their number one hitting um, guy in the lineup, isn't it? He is some he is a for sure thing. Every time he's in that lineup, you know for sure you're probably going to get a hit or two, and and that kind of for a fan that's fantastic because mm. sometimes you watch a game and you're only going to get four or five hits, and <laughs> having the guys in the lineup, you know you're going to get a few more as well. But yep. for me, it's, it's bringing that competitive edge. You, the young guys in the team can't help but look at what Arias does and be like, how does he do this? What can mm. I take from this guy? Having him almost being like a hitting coach. Not in the fact that he's going to be giving them help or giving them tips, but just by watching. When, you, when, you, when you're watching a guy at his absolute peak, you can't help but look at it and go, this is what he does and I'm not doing that. Mm. API should be doing that too. He is that guy that people look up to. And I think the Marlins have, have benefited for the last five years of the guys in the bullpens and in the pitching looking at Sandy and, mm. and, and, and taking his work ethic. I think that's what Arise is. Arise is the the Sandy Alcantara for the hitters. Mm, great shout. Great shout. One final one of a final one because you kind of take, well, my mind's going about this now. Considering the Marlins roster right now, and not just the 26-man, the, the active roster, but the 40-man, the, the way it's constructed right now, considering Josh Bell, expiring contract, defensive position for Luis Arias kind of moving forwards. And, you know, for me, the eye test at second base was fine. I, I It felt fine, to be honest with you. I, I was not concerned with him at second base, but I do wonder if actually at some point in 24, considering how things go with Josh Bell, or even if they just split time anyway, depending on what they do with the Ross construction, but does Luis Arias maybe become more of a full-time first baseman potentially for the Marlins after or during 24 and beyond? I don't think so, personally. I think you're right in the sense that he passed the eye test at, at second some of the advanced numbers and the values, they, they don't quite add up. But no. I mean, we watched an awful lot of him playing last year, obviously. And when mm. you said earlier that he was better than advertised, I think that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It's that sense of we knew that he was going to hit 300, 320, ended up hitting 350. Yeah. Um, but we weren't expecting a defense. All the guys from all the fans and all the, the noise that we heard from Minnesota was he's hurt. <laughs> he's an injury risk yep. and dodgy knees, no defense and he can't play second base um mm -hmm. he definitely proved he can play second base um, agreed just just visually watching it for me the the batting profile at first base just doesn't work no. um i know that's kind of old school baseball which is kind of not my thing but i would like to say like the power that you get from a first baseman often comes at a a cost defensively because they're going to be a bigger guy if they're an older guy that, that still hit for power but can't defend a position you put them at first base if you try and put a rise at first base to keep him at better value than he would be at second base you're then trying to get power from other areas and you're certainly not going to get power from a second baseman in my eyes no. there are obviously some about there but 
the Marlins are going to have to draft and develop a guy like that because they certainly aren't going to get a guy in free agency and not many people are going to trade them either. Um, no. So to me, you keep a at second base and you, you take the power from first base knowing that the defensive value that you're going to get from them is kind of assuaged by the fact that first base is not easy, but compared, compared to second base is super easy. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, that's going to finish us up for today's episode of Lockdown Minds. I appreciate the UK coach, Sean Barrett, joining me. But I've got a, I've got a teaser for you guys. I've got a spoiler. Sean Barrett is back on Wednesday's episode, mainly because we haven't finished this one. We need, we've talked about extensions, but we also need to talk about trade. We also need to talk about the situation where the Marlins realize no value from Lewis Arias, and he ends up just walking as a free agent. So we're going to cover that on Wednesday's episode. Be sure to join us then. We're carrying this conversation. Lewis Arias... I think in, in Sean's assessment here, in summary, I think it's perfect. He is the number one guy, the offensive guy. The Marlins, you know, we know what the price tag's going to look like. The question is, are they going to go there? If they don't, they've got other decisions to make. Look forward to carrying this on tomorrow, and we'll see you then.